0: Folks, welcome into a brand new episode of Bullet Points. It is week six. The Bulls dropped their MAC opener and homecoming game by a touchdown, but they have a huge game here to bounce back against a MAC East rival in Kent State. I am your host, Ty B, joined by Kevin Masari and Mike Bunt. Today's episode is brought to you by Hartman's Distilling Company, one of the best places in. City to go and grab some drinks um, over there on Ohio Street. Plus, you can grab their Logan Berry vodka and their vodka seltzers at Outlet Liquor or any other local liquor stores. So make sure you're on the eye for those, especially for those tailgates uh, tomorrow and Sunday. We got some big games coming up, Kev.
1: Yeah, we do. We sure do. Um, I mean, hey, if you're a fan of the Mac, there's some good things to look forward to here. I think. Got a little clear last week with some stuff. Um, you know, I think it's going to be a little bit even more clear this week um, with a few things that there are some unknowns. Like I'm interested in like Miami EMU. How is that going to turn out? You know, you've got an Ohio CMU, which, you know, Ohio could find themselves 2-0 and and then lose a bunch of games in a row there. Um Bowling Green might get off the Schneid with an Akron win here. Um, they're, they're a team to watch out for. And, uh, you know, WMU is, is, might be the team to beat if they can take care of UB, Ball State, and then Kent next week. You know, they're probably the favorites of this thing. So um, lot, lots of good MAC play coming up. Nothing like that you need to see this week in the MAC, but things that might th- make it a little bit more clear. And then you have, the, obviously, the UB Kent game, which might be the premiere, maybe why, you know, it's in that primetime slot. But out of the MAC slate, there is some things that might become a little bit less murky as, as the Saturday ends. Absolutely, Kev. And
0: Mike, you're one of the more optimistic ones out of all of us. It wasn't the best performance last week there at homecoming. But before we get into the nitty gritty, just give me one reason to have some optimism for the fans tuning in right now.
2: The number one reason is the rest of the Mac East stinks. So I'm not (laughs) even going to give you a UB reason because they haven't really given me any reason uh, recently to be super optimistic. But the Mac East is horrible. It's probably the worst division in all major D1 football uh, in the FCS. um, FBS, pardon me. And then uh, if you want one uh, one other reason for UB, they have a good defense. Defense has played well. They've had a strong start. Uh, Hopefully they can keep it going.
0: Yep, absolutely. The defense was very solid in that homecoming loss, but it was just a little bit – a little bit too much out of their hands there as the offense couldn't really keep things going. They were able to get a lead there coming out of the second half break with a field goal um, to take the lead, and then things sort of fell off. No wheels on the car of the offense, if you will, because four straight three and outs, absolutely stalling all over the field cab. couldn't get anything going. And when you're in the crunch time in a game like that where it's a one-possession game, and you just absolutely fall flat on your face offensively after having a good drive coming out of half, I I just don't understand it. It it doesn't make any sense to me.
1: It's confusing. I mean, the way that they've played on offense is very confusing. I mean, by all accounts, we've heard they're a run first team, and they don't quite have the scheme for it based on, you know, based on what what we've been being told. Um, You know, to me, it's like – They need to be a little bit more aggressive. There's nothing to lose. I mean, the defense seems to play really well for three quarters in every game. I mean, they've struggled in the fourth quarter straight up, and it has to do with the three and outs on the offense. The defense has struggled. They've been on the field too much. We all know their weakness at DB. It's still a weakness. I'm sorry. It's still a major weakness of the team. If a team doesn't have a good passing game, UB should have some success against them. Um, But we've seen it start to click toward late in games and 17 more points from WMU is just another reason to put it into the, into the pie. They've struggled in the fourth quarter. They've struggled mightily. The offense gets figured out, you know, teams are like, even if they have some okay weapons, we're still going to sack the box and stop the run. And once that happens, we're going three and outs. Um, So we started to see that, you know, it's, it's a monumental eight three and outs in the last two weeks. It's, it's not, it's not acceptable on any Mm -hmm. level. You need to make a change somewhere. Um, And obviously the most, most, talked about positions quarterback it's not like you're going to go and bench your right guard you know unfortunately you're talking about quarterback that's a position that needs to get it done that's a position that needs to bring dual threat versatility and if it can't they better have a good throwing game and you know quite frankly it isn't right now so that's the position you make to make the move at. you're not going to make it at Kian. you know you're not going to make it at the receiver position and you're not going to make it right now you know you could look at running back a little bit but they are rotating them in unfortunately it comes back down to the quarterback the general the leader of everything that has to do with the offense it needs to be edited unfortunately that comes down to the starting quarterback Kyle Van Trees and and that's that's the move you need to make it's nothing personal it's just when you watch football and the team's not successful on offense you need to make a change absolutely and
0: You kind of bring up a good point there. It's not like you go out and you're going to take your fourth wide receiver out and put your eighth wide receiver in and and expect different results. It's just not going to happen. You're not going to switch a right tackle and start running for 300 yards a game instead of 220. That's just not going to happen. Their identity is not what it was last year. They're not as efficient running the ball. They're not going to just take the time off the clock and give their defense time to rest up in important games. Um, You saw last year there were times where they didn't lead necessarily time in possession, and that's more because they were just blowing teams out and running all over them and just getting first down after first down, first down. But that's not happening this year. They aren't that efficient team on the ground, so you have to try and do more. And we saw it in in little spurts, that first drive coming out of half. They were pretty much uh, the first, I think, eight plays were split. Uh, between passes and runs, and they were moving the ball well, and then it was like six straight runs, and they stalled out and had to settle for a field goal. Mike, they have to be better at diversifying things offensively and getting the ball into the playmaker's hands in space, not just handing it to him and say, here, go up the middle.
2: Yeah, this offense needs balance in the biggest way. Uh, how, how many screens have we seen this year? Not many. Not many with success. Uh, how many players outside of Keon... Uh, Keon Williams are we seeing as an actual threat uh, in the passing game? He's been fantastic. Two straight 100-yard receiving games. And if he gets another one this week, will become the first bull since Anthony Johnson to have 100-yard receiving games in three straight weeks. But there's no other targets. There's, there's no tight ends making plays. There's nobody else, maybe a Dominic Johnson catch here or there, but there's nobody that's really scary in the passing game. And <clears throat> what you have to ask is, is that just a product of the offense uh, or is there a way to open things up? Because they're not running the ball the way they did last year. And a lot of that is scheme. And a lot of that is they have a brand new offensive line. That's just not as talented as uh, the players that they had last year. So that's where the whole Van Treese Myers question uh, gets brought up. Like I said, like you said earlier, Kevin, it's nothing personal, but Vantrese, we've all described him as a game manager. And When the running game is effective and it's dominating, you, you're fine with him because he keeps the ball safe. Uh, he doesn't turn it over, and he and can be efficient and win games. The problem is right now the running game stinks, and he can't make up for it because he doesn't have the skill set to really make things more explosive. I don't think anybody is saying that Matt Myers right now is – way better than Vantries we don't even know Myers could be worse than Vantries for all we know but it's the possibility of what he brings to the table he's more athletic I think he has a better arm and you could maybe try some things out that could open things up for the offense some RPOs mix things up will it be better we would we'll have to wait and see but uh, one thing for sure, I knew it wasn't going to be this week because this is basically a homecoming for Trees. He grew up in Stowe, Ohio, which is five miles away from the Kent State campus. So if there was any doubt when this change was going to happen, it was it was never going to be for this game. Uh, if anything, it'll be going into next week if they have another uh, tough offensive performance.
0: Yeah, hopefully Mr. Trees will be in attendance and not on Twitter tweeting at Rob Ryan. Um, We'll see how that goes though. But yeah, you brought up a very good point um, sort of about uh, this potential change here. And it's one where Matt Myers has been already used this year in these RPO style spots and where you're in a, in a more run potential and they've had him throw out of it. So they obviously see something in what he's doing or what Vantries isn't doing. And they're trying to figure out a way to exploit that and use that in a positive way in their offense. So, I mean, I don't know what their offensive identity is going to be going forward because installing the offense late after spring practices and everything. I think that's why so much stuff has been held over from the previous regime. We don't know how much stuff's going to change. Like they could go into a full spread scheme over the next few years. Like that could be what they're going for, but we don't know that yet. And, and, They don't necessarily have the quarterback to do that and all the other pieces. We've seen that happen with a lot of these MAC teams when they get into these transitional periods, even after uh, good coaches move on. When you try to bring in new things and you don't have the right guys to do it right away, it really it causes a lot of issues when you're putting uh, square pegs into circular holes.
1: Yeah, and I mean, if you look at their offense, right? So they're running the ball. They have three guys that rank in the top 13 in the MAC in rushing. You have Marks at 288, McDuffie at 262, and Ron Cook at 250. Now, what's what's there to be noted? Unfortunately, Marks has done it in seven, a whopping 78 carries, good for 3.7 yards per carry, one of the worst in the MAC by far. There's only a couple of guys down there. It's Akron's awful offense and DJ Irons, um, and not a lot else. He is one of the worst average yards per clip guy there. It needs to be talked about like it needs to be discussed um, on that level of how inefficient he's yeah. being. You know, if we're not going to be fair to the court, qu- if we're going to be fair to the quarterback, need to be fair. There hasn't been very good at times. He's getting too many carries at that yards per clip. If McDuffie
0: and, had the same amount of carries as him, he'd have over 120 more rushing yards than Kevin Marks.
1: Yeah. 28 less averages, carries, a yeah. uh, yard and a half more per carry. And I mean, yeah, the numbers are there. It's it's been a brutal stretch there for Marks and the fumbles. times. Yeah, I mean, and, and guys,
2: we've been saying this for a couple of weeks now. McDuffie has been the best running back on the team. Cook might have the most yards per carry. He's the most explosive running back on the team. He's had a couple runs that really uh, inflate his yard per carry numbers. Uh, if you go consistent every time you get the ball, who do you expect to get four to five yards every time? It's McDuffie. Uh, one thing to continue on what Ty, you were saying earlier they they're obviously putting Myers in the game in certain situations because they trust him and they think he has something he can give to the offense that Vantrese can't. Mm-hmm. And when you watch practice, they, they do the same thing. You, you a lot of those plays, the one where uh, I can't, I don't know the terminology. I'm sorry, but where you snap it out of shotgun you fake the ops, and then you go head back in the pocket, go try to throw over the top. He threw an incompletion on it. I think against coastal Carolina, I see that in practice all the time, and it's effective. Yeah. And what that tells me is
1: the RPL, they don't yeah. just
2: go to him because they think, oh, it's a nice gadget play. They think he's the better red zone player. They, they know that when they're in the red zone and their running game is getting stopped and they don't trust Vantrese to be able to force those throws in tight windows, they want a guy that can open things up and make defenders a little bit slower. So what that tells me is they believe deep down – that Myers is the more Mm -hmm. explosive guy. They just need to trust that he won't make mistakes and that he can carry over from practice into the games. I think it's only a matter of time. And to to be honest with you, I think they named Trees the starter before the season because it was out of respect. He had, he's had a great career. He's been a good uh, game manager for two and a half seasons, but right now you're, you're a liability to this team by by continuing the path. And the one last point I want to agree with Ty, you, you said that you'd give the Bulls offense a pass this year because they didn't have enough time really in the offseason to get together. I'm completely with you on that too. I don't think we're truly seeing the offense that we will see down the line. But at some you point – You don't – you just don't want to see
0: re- regression. As long yeah. as you see guys getting better throughout the year, it makes sense. But when you look at this roster – and you look at the guys who are holdovers from last year to this year, who has actually gotten better? I would say Dylan McDuffie,
2: Ron Cook. Just, but that could just be more opportunity. Yeah,
0: just because Jared's gone, and yeah, but besides there that. There's no a transfer. So Keon Williams, yeah, is, yeah, yeah, wasn't here last year. So what, what does that, you know, what does that mean? And he's a grad transfer; he's not going to be here next year. So you have to continue to develop mm-hmm. other guys. So I don't know what they're really doing here we've seen some of these other names getting mixed in a little bit at the receiver position, but it seems like you know they're getting one player i think there was like one end around they finally ran one uh and had a little bit of success with that i think it was a like nine ten yard gain something like that,
1: but that yeah Shane it. Montgomery's got a ways to go guys like i mean we can give him a pass i'm fine with that like i i don't have a problem with that i mean you know We've given our basketball coach many years here. I mean, I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem with the pass going to the offensive coordinator. No issues on my front. But Shane Montgomery's got a long way to go to realize to play to his player strengths and not off of an offense that the team was running last year with an NFL running back. They've got some work to do. They've got a ways to go, and they got to realize that there's not mm-hmm. really that huge of a risk to, to change a couple of things up. Like, what's the risk? You lose another game, okay? Like you lose. Yeah. What game? What, what game were, were you going to win that you lost? I don't know. They already struggled with ODU down the stretch. You know, they lost WMU-MU anyways. We'll get into our Kent predictions here shortly. What game were you going to lose? Any? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe there is one that they would lose that they wouldn't know if they changed some things offensively. But I need to see that growth from Shane Uncarno. I mean, I had a lot of hope from him coming out of, um, you know, James Madison as the offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach. Um, but quite frankly, I haven't quite seen that growth. Um, from him right now, um, you know, basically since being you know a pretty poor head coach in the MAC underneath for for Miami, so yeah, there's some. Roethlisberger is kind of eh. yeah. I mean, there's there's some there's some work to do on the offensive side of the ball here. Um, he's got some some interesting development to have to prove to me, um, anyways. But you know, enough about that. We'll hopefully see some growth. I think you need to turn your attention to Dustin Crum and the run or the quarterback of Kent State golden flashes the his biggest strength is one of ub's biggest weaknesses against non-running quarterbacks ub has struggled mightily against guys that didn't run this week is going to be even more trouble if they think they're going to play some man coverage and they're going to be in trouble if they think they're going to go one-on-one with some good receivers dustin Crum has ran do you guys know how many yards he's ran for in his career 1500 plus yards in his career it's going to be a huge struggle He ran for 700 yards the last full season in 2019 like it's going to be trouble. It is going to be an issue. They don't have Jarrett Patterson in the offensive line to bat, bail him out um, and not, and, and basically take him out of the game. It's going to be a big challenge and they struggle at one of the biggest things they're strong at. What does that then do? If you start spying and containing him, he's going to find open routes. If you start going to zone coverage, his receivers are going to get open. There's going to be some issues stopping that Ken state offense against a pretty decent UB defense. And then that's not even to mention, can the offense even get going back to our previous debate? So there's a lot to watch in this game and one mm-hmm. is the quarterback Dustin Crum who right now doesn't his numbers don't throw you off but like we've you know they've played some really good football teams so far in college football this is really where it begins for him and we don't want this to be his final season senior coming out party he's played like 10 years in this in this conference i don't know how many he has left i think he's done here this season i don't know with this eligibility now um but Dustin Crum's a guy probably one of the best players in the MAC WMU's quarterbacks, I still rank him number one. I think he played a pretty good game for as good as UB played for a while. Still was the difference maker in the fourth quarter there. He's probably the number one quarterback, has some NFL potential, but Dustin Crum's right there is number two to me and I don't think is going to be able to, to be able to contain him both in the running game, which he has good running backs, him on his own legs, and then finding the wide receiver weapons that we know UB struggled with the DB spot. Guys, it's going to be a challenge to struggle or to compete against Dustin Crum and his legs.
0: Oh, I mean absolutely, and the the thing that I'm most worried about is you had at the end of that game last week, Gaddafi Wright took that 15-yard penalty. He was benched after that. Um, no depth chart this week from the game notes uh, officially from the team, so I don't even know if he's going to be back out there starting or not. That would be a huge hit for them. He's a guy who gets sideline to sideline for them, and if you're going to have to contain Dustin Crum, you're going to need a guy like Gaddafi Wright because you need a big linebacker to take him down. Dustin Crum isn't necessarily – the fastest guy he's not the shiftiest guy but he's going to be able to read your defense and he's going to make the right call whether to hand it off or to keep it and it might just be you a defensive end or an outside linebacker and the quarterback you have to make that play at the line of scrimmage not miss that and then let him get that five six yard gain over and over again his averages uh rushing on the season are obviously lower because he's taking a bunch of sacks and whatnot on top of it um but if you take that out he's still around a four five yard uh per run that's still pretty good that's very efficient and when you're uh, looking at this defense yes that defensive line at times has really gotten after things they can get after the quarterback but do they have enough depth here to really shut down a a big running game all day long it's almost like flip-flop from last year where ub was a team ready to run it down kent state's throat kent state might be ready to run it down ub's throat mike
2: yeah we'll we'll see um, the one thing, Crum, Crum is definitely a talented quarterback, and he's been fantastic the last two years. But we, we do have to, to say he has been struggling this year. Now, a lot of that is the competition that Kent State has faced. You can't expect him to do well against Iowa, Texas A&M, and Maryland uh, when Kent State is just outmatched talent-wise. But it's not like Crum is lighting things up this year. He's gotten it done – on the ground with his 211 yards, but he's only averaging, I believe, around 3.8 yards per carry, which you'd expect that number to Actors be. Actors in right. sacks,
0: Mike. That's why I was just saying.
2: Okay. He has six in sacks.
1: Yeah, he's been oh, one of the most sack guys in the conference. Yeah.
2: Okay, that's fair. But even uh, his passing yards per game is actually pretty, pretty good. mediocre. One of the last in the be honest. I believe it's 896 yards through five games. He has only three touchdowns. Uh, in the air to two on the ground. Now, the one thing he's always been, been effective with is he takes care of the ball. Uh, the last two full seasons, uh, if you count 2020 and 2019, I believe he had something like 32 touchdowns to only four interceptions. So similar to Ellaby last week where he's a guy that's efficient uh, and protects the ball. He'll take the sack, yeah. He'll, he'll take the sack. Now, I think Kev hit the nail in the coffin with his whole, you need the linebackers and – you need your line to be ready for him to run all the time. Because even against Bowling Green, which I, they're starting to earn my respect, the Falcons, Crum only was 15 to 28 for, I believe, something like uh, 134 yards. That is yeah. not good numbers. No, he tonight. only,
0: I don't know if you watched that game at all. I watched it back the other day, but he only had like one or two passes that were completed that traveled more than 10 yards in the air.
2: So it was hey, literally
0: dip and, dip and dunk, anything down the field couldn't complete. They got bailed out on the first drive on a phantom penalty call on a, on a missed fourth down overthrow. Crum did not look good at all throwing the ball. Yeah. And I, I'm i a guy who was higher on Crum than Ellaby coming into the season just because of what we've seen the past few seasons. But it has not been there at all. And it's not just from playing good defenses. The arm just yeah. does not look right.
2: So my, my view on that is I'm not a nexus and o's guy like both of you are. But if I'm the UB defense, I, I attack. I, I know the UB secondary is not a strength, but if he's going to stop the run first, let, and if he beats you in the air, so be it. I don't trust him enough right now with his passing to, to really be a huge danger. Now I could be wrong and Kent could go off for 40 plus like they did against UB last year. And I'll eat my words, but if I'm UB in this game, I, I make them beat me through the air. Um, they have a couple good weapons. Um, they have Abram and then they have, um, uh, God, the guy's name is escaping me right now. But I do think this is a game that's going to be close throughout. Kent can put up some points, but they haven't done it so far this year, outside of VMI, which you, you, that's basically you be taking on Wagner. Um, I, I really
1: want to see how Crum does this Saturday. Yeah there's, yeah, there's a lot
0: to look at. Yeah, I mean, one of the things when you're diagnosing Crum, too, versus Alibi, Alibi not as tall as Dustin Crum. Alibi really struggled when the Bulls got any pressure up the middle. Your defensive tackles pretty much just had to hold their position and put their hands up. He could not see over the middle of the field, and that's why he ended up scrambling as much as he did. Um, you, you, being on field level is so obvious to see, and if you realize that, all you do is put a spy on him, and he goes nowhere all day long because he wasn't going to beat you through the air. Um, I don't know what the hell they were doing there. But with Dustin Crumb, he's going to be able to see that. He's going to be able to see those spots across the middle of the field. So – if you're going to sell out completely, you have to really buy in all around. And I'd be a little bit worried. I think a pre-Washington got banged up there at the end of the last game. So did Corey Gross. Looked like a left shoulder injury. Looked like he might have dislocated it again. I know he's been having some nagging injuries from the beginning of the season. Um, So that's not another good sign for the UB team heading into this one, Kev. Um, The defensive line has done a good job getting after things. Are you going to be – you know if you're the defensive coordinator here are you are you looking to attack things are you selling out for the run because i th- think that's their only chance of winning
1: yeah, you take off potentially their two best defensive backs for a bad unit, and you're in trouble. Like, I mean, straight up, I've seen some really poor play from Logic Hudgens and Marcus Fuqua. They've played poor, like poor, poor. And, like, I'm just being brutally honest that they've been poor in the defensive backfield. They've missed tackles. They've missed their spies. They have been really poor. They've missed reads. They've left their cornerbacks to dry, um, in Fuqua's case. Hudgens, uh, I don't know how he's still on the field. I'm just going to be brutally honest there. However, you know, with the injuries and the problems that they've had there, you know, they're, even more so they're going to play big roles in this game. And what do you need to do? You need to get after it. They're going to play man coverage anyways in times that I disagree. They're going to try to get after Crum. I mean, it just is going to be how they play. I don't think playing coverage is the move with a team that can't play coverage. They don't have the Buffalo Bills secondary. It's yeah. nothing. They can't. They can't drop and think they're going to play rush three or four drop into zones, drop into coverages, even in man coverage, you're not going to lock down anybody. So you're going to need to get after it. They have a strong defensive line in Michelle, um, you know, obviously in Riggins. I mean, and I mean, they just need to make, create pressure, create havoc um, and try to limit his lanes. And they need to to, to do a more of a stretch defensive and contain uh, maybe at times maybe come deep and wide into Crumb, so he can't escape the pocket and then bring the pressure up the middle with, with blitzing linebackers. That's what they. Yeah. That's the game plan here. That The defensive um, cornerbacks are still on an island. They're not going to make any more or less plays this way, and I think that that needs to be the style. Hopefully, Corey Gross um, or a pre-Washington can play. Um, They're better defensive backs in, in this game, so that would be a stringer. That would be a real challenge for the team. Um, so if they don't have them, even more reasons to bring pressure at them. Don't think he can beat you deep by the time. Hopefully by the time he's dropping three, five steps, um, you're you're at least there and he needs to make a read. Um, so that's that's the way to play this defensively and continue to play as strong as you have in, in the run game for the majority of the season. Let's let him make big plays. And if he does, I didn't think there was much of a chance that if he's making those big plays, you know, it might be a long day anyway. So let's try to get after him and play better in the fourth quarter both from the defensive passing um, stop and as well as the offense. But defensively, they need to stop the pass when when, when teams are passing and you know they're passing. They struggle in those situations. Why? Because they don't have good DBs. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And, Kev, kind of that that brings us to the perfect point here. Let's get in here for our predictions. We'll bring up here on the on the screen all of our predictions here. Kent State minus 5.5, minus 6. Line's been hovering around there. over under 64, 65. Uh, degenerate al not here he's got kent thirty three twenty four. 24 rob ryan kent 35 31 both those guys going with the oh no al not over uh rob with the over and then maniac actually taking ub twenty eight twenty three. mike you were the only one out of the three of us to take ub talk us into it why why the hell you got the bulls winning this one
2: I don't have a lot of good points, so I don't think I'll be able to talk you into it. I basically flipped a coin and it went ahead, so uh, that's how we got to Buffalo. But uh, I think this is a winnable game. I don't think Ken has shown anything this year or over the course of the last couple of years with Dustin Crumb to, to show that they deserve the respect of being a preseason MAC East division favorite. They have a scary offense in theory, but I have not seen that scary offense the entire season. Their defense is good in theory, but like we said, they've had a tough schedule where they really haven't been able to show that off outside of a decent performance against Iowa defensively, holding them to around only 420 yards. uh, The one good thing they bring is their secondary has 10 interceptions. So they make a lot of big plays, but they've also Mm -hmm. been beat for around 260 passing yards per game If Buffalo can, open things up a little bit with Van Trees. start targeting Keon Williams a little bit more and try to get some balance. I think this is a game that's going to be tight right down to the finish. And I think uh, I'm just going to give Buffalo a little bit of a boost because I, uh, I picked them to win eight games in the preseason. And I know deep down that if they lose this game, my prediction is toast. So uh, a little bit of home cooking here, but uh, me and Kev have a score to battle and uh, this is going to be the first time all year that we disagree with this pick. So, uh, we'll see uh, which one of us is uh, the smarter person going into the second half of the season. So,
0: Yeah, and that that me- it makes me very worried because you look at Kent State's head coach, Sean Lewis, what he was saying to the media this week. Beginning of the quote, here we go. <clears throat> the key to victory is we got to stop the run. We all know what it is. It's a personal vendetta. We've been talking about it for a long time. We got to stop the run. We got to run the ball. We got to be disciplined. We got to score touchdowns. Field goals aren't going to win it. Sean Lewis and Kent State know what they have to do. They have a very, very bad loss to come avenge here this week. They've lost. They put up. uh, UB put up seventy points last year eight rushing touchdowns from Jared Patterson, 409 rushing yards. Kevin Marks ran for another 99 and two touchdowns. They gave up 10 rushing touchdowns to UB. You don't think they're going to come out here and literally go balls to the walls to stop this run. Yeah, absolutely. They are. And that's why I think it's going to be a lower scoring game than most people predict. Everyone sees that 70 41 last year. Everyone's hammering that over. We had uh, a bit of a, a, you know, a high over under last week in the (laughs) sixties, Easy under in that one. UB plays defensive football. Kev, it's going to be a defensive game, I think. And Kent's going to get this one because their rushing game is better than UB's this year.
1: I have 52 points, and that's the most I can see coming out of this game. And that gives me some buffer if some goof happens. So I 65. Um, there's no way that's going over, guys. Is neither of these teams are playing over like that. I don't know if they're just going off of like past history, but that's a terrible over-under for this. That's free money football with under a 65 in the UB Kent game to me. Um, I have him covering. I don't think Ken's good enough to to cover past that seven point, like six and six and a half, five and a half line. Um, you know, basically me and Mike have kind of a flip-flop score there um with it being very similar in the range it's that fourth quarter that isn't is just not been there 58 points ub is allowed in the fourth quarter that's way too much that's 12 roughly 11 and a half to 12 points a game that's way too much no one can overcome that like nothing i mean you know you, you you rail that average against even patrick mahomes that's that's too much guys that's you can't have that many points in the fourth quarter you're just not going to get it done when you're given double-digit points like that. And that's what I think happens in this game, probably similar to the WMU game, maybe hovering around that 17-point line into the third 17, mm-hmm. 17, into the third quarter. And then you're going to see basically the more veteran team and more veteran player. They have, a, they have a loss to avenge. They're at home. You'd be really faltered on the road in both games in the second half, guys. It wasn't just in uh, Nebraska. It was also at ODU. Didn't play good there on the road. I, unfortunately, have this being a make 5-0 pick in the Bulls. Mike is, too. So, this, someone's going to 6-0 and o here, guys. Someone is going to 6-0 pick in the Bulls. I like poor your odds man- better
2: than mine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> poor, poor maniac, I think, is looking at 2-4 two and, two and or something right right in the face. Um, but uh, just getting to the 6-0 and o mark, I feel pretty comfortable with my picks here. And that's just – I mean – it's just being realistic. I would want nothing more than Mike to be the six and O guy, because you know, then there's something to look forward to, but if losing mm-hmm. to WMU, losing to Kent staring at six and six in the face on the season, after you, after this is all said and done and probably early on between the, the, the West loss and the Kent loss, which should be the Mac East title. It's not going to look good to be able to, without a Kent falter at some point, it's not going to be looking good after they have probably the second best win against Bowling green. So
2: this is, this is must win. This is must win. There's no other team I, in this division that- Bowling
1: Green was the question mark and, and they didn't get it done. They were close. They played good. Um, but they if they beat U B and Bowling Green, I don't see a way they don't take the East. Mm-hmm. It could be over right here for U B without a W. Um so and then you have the WMU loss on top of it. It couldn't could factor in if they're both tied. Um so I just I don't
2: I don't you can beat I don't Kent it. and then lose to like a Miami, Ohio or lose to Northern Illinois. But you can't yeah. lose the Kent because Kent's not going to lose more than more than one two games in no. Mac play. So no. you need one of their losses to be against you. So they're not
1: going to lose more than one Mac East team. So, yeah. so at this, most,
2: this is, it's weird to say, but week two of the Mac season must win.
1: Can't go into. No, you can't
0: at all because oh, tiebreakers, everything else. I don't even want to start thinking about Mac tiebreakers right now. Kev. just win the game. Win the day and make sure if you guys are watching on YouTube, you're hitting like and subscribe. Type that little bell for notifications every time we go live. If you're on Twitter, make sure you retweet and hit like. It means a lot if you guys share this because then we get more and more Bulls fans and we can continue to pack UB Stadium and have a ton of fun together. Have some great tailgates at the special events lot. Hopefully, Missari will be there for that UB Ohio game. I know Death I'll be the there making games. fun of fun. Death to the noon games, guys. Yeah. Let's get a 3 o'clock game. Let's get a 7 o'clock game at home. Yeah, hopefully they keep winning so we get some more primetime
1: games. I hate getting up early and going there. On every Saturday road game is seven almost. Even ODU, like even every road game. So I'd like to yeah. see you be able to play one. I will be there at any game that's on at noon. So hopefully, I think right now it's just the NIU game. Um, but you know it's going to be fun. When to hopefully, Kent. matters.
2: We're <laughs> going to Kent. Say hello. I'll be there.
1: Wow, oh, right.
0: Mike, Mike is going to Kent. Yeah, hopefully you have a great trip there on that one. Uh, Mike will be there cheering on the Bulls for us. Um, hopefully the Bulls
1: get a big. Are win. you staying overnight, Mike?
2: No, I'm. I'm doing the drive there and back all the same day. Got my two fast food joints already picked out in Kent. So <laughs> what are they? Let's hear them. Sheets. But uh, you- whenever you're in the Akron Kent area, you have to go to Swenson's uh, okay. That is a burger milkshake. Old school type place. Yeah, go uh, number there. two. And then my second, my other favorite place, Raising Cane's. Best yeah, Chicken wow. Fingers and their cane sauce is, mm. it's unbelievable. If I was that's seeing very you very soon, Mike, best. I'd have you
1: bring me some cane sauce. <laughs> um, that sounds, are you going alone? Making the trick alone?
2: Go with, going with my wife, uh, converting her to be a UB fan, even though she went to Ball State. So <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's right. Wow. That's, yeah. yeah. Good I'm luck the only one with, the with that one.
1: Do you have like a UB section? Is there a U, like um, how does that work?
2: No, I I just let's just go closest to the fifty yard line as possible, and let's just be a parasite in the Kent State fans.
1: What are they charging for a fifty yard line Kent State tickets?
2: So, um they had some cheap tickets that were like fifteen dollars. Where I'm sitting is twenty six a ticket. So that's uh, the rest of the Pretty MAC. there. It's not, it's not just UB; it's the whole MAC. They're they're charging. Wow. Us. Those tickets premium. are that's like raising premium prices right
1: alone. My
2: God, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be, I don't even know if I'll be able to afford the milkshake after the game, but oh. we'll, we'll see.
0: Hopefully the bulls win. And Mike has a bunch of money on them to pay for a few extra milkshakes. After oh, six the
1: game.
0: And yeah. He's hey. got to start making some money. Third you guys got to start tailing Mike Bull Bunt Bull for the free money.
1: Yeah. Free money. <laughs> six and oh, if Mike, Mike, Mike and I have a big battle for Who goes six and oh, picking half of the Bulls schedule already. That's, that's a big battle.
0: absolutely absolutely so again shout out to everyone for tuning in to bullet points is our week six kent state preview we'll be back again Eh, i don't think we'll be doing post game tomorrow just because it's a late game and we have so much other stuff going on with a fight night over at amherst alehouse for fury wilder three if you guys are looking for something to do we'll be over there at amherst alehouse we'll also be checking out um, nickel city wrestling with megabyte ronnie over there on grand street uh, Polish Cadets, that's going to be a ton of fun. We're going to have a ton of content and a ton of coverage for you guys all day long, plus the big Chippewa uh, Chiefs versus Bills watch party. Uh, the Wrecking Crew will, will all be there at Wreck Room. going to be an absolute amazing time. But first, we only got three words left.
2: Let's go Bulls.